sweetie. So we need to talk about your grades, young lady. Oh, really? You do need math in the real world. Am I having this conversation with you? Who are you talking to? you guys you've done that with your kids let me see your hands yeah some of you guys did that with your children before you came to church today right let's just be honest guys my name is Chris and I'm one of the pastors here it's such an honor to hang out with you uh, in this series we're calling let's all say it together me and my big mouth now notice it's not your wife and her big mouth or my husband and his big mouth or your boss and his big mouth or her big mouth. It's nothing like that. It's me and my big mouth. It's going to be really easy to apply this teaching to some other person, whoever that is, when really the biggest problem we have is, let's all say it together, is me and my big mouth. Let me tell you, one of the things I've learned as a guy that you are to never, ever say to a woman is... When's the baby due? Right? You're never ever to say that, right? Now, I am a guy, and I know this because I have said that before. But I would think that my wife would know better, all right? Let me tell you a little bit about her issues. Um, we were at a wedding in Nashville, and we were marrying a couple at one church at TV, and a great couple. I love their name. I love them. I'm not going to tell you their names, so some of you still know it. Uh, you do know them. And uh, we were there. We were having a great time, and so we're sitting with uh, the groom's family around the table, and uh, Kim leans over to one of the sisters of Tom Cotton. Oh, I guess I said it. Tom and Kayla. Well, leans over to Tom's sister and says, uh, when's the baby due? And Tom's sister said, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> so at this point, my wife is sitting right here. I kind of move like this to her, and I start looking at her because I want to see how she's going to get out of it, okay? Because I have been there, and I just keep on digging the hole deeper, right? And would you believe it or not that my wife was able to get herself out of that bad situation, Kim's like, well, oh, I'm sorry. I heard that one of Tom's sisters was pregnant. Oh, that was my other sister. And, oh, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm like, and I looked at her, and I was so angry because I would have never been able to dig myself out of that hole, right? Because usually I dig myself into holes with words, and the problem is you use more words to dig yourself out, and what I end up doing is just digging myself Deeper, exactly right. So, uh, if this is, uh, I think this, all of this is going to apply to all of us. If you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here. If church is not your thing, so glad that you chose to hang out with us today because today is going to be just crazy practical, really, really practical. And we're going to learn today that uh, that many times we need a pause button, right? How many of y'all you would love to have a pause button in your future? right? Now, pause is good, but for me as a guy, I really need this button right here. I need the rewind button. 
I need to go, blah, 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 and I'm not going, let's redo that. All right, cut. Let's, let's read. We're going to retake that shot or whatever it is because my mouth can get me into some serious trouble. So if you missed last week, make sure to download the app. We have the past uh, last, year, last week's sermon as well as the past 12 years worth of sermons on there that you can kind of dig into. But we learned last week, our serious big idea is let's all say it together, to, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's say it again, quick to listen, slow to speak. Now we had some hand motions, right? So some of y'all, let's get those hands out. And this is what I'm asking you guys to do if you're listening through the app, or maybe you're driving down the road, you listen through Facebook Live. Let's all do it together. Ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Well, y'all are doing good. One more time. Ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And the reason why I'm asking you guys to do that is many times when you have a conflict with someone, when you're kind of in a heated debate or argument with someone, if you're not careful, notice what happens to your hands. They start to close up, Right? They, they start to close up, and honestly, when they start to close up, your ears start to close up, your heart starts to close up, your mind starts to close up, and you are no longer learning at that point. So we're asking everybody to keep those hands open and our ears open because the people you're having the argument with, they want the same things that you want. They want to be heard and understood. So today, we're going to see the power of our words because words are powerful. They are, right? Words are extremely powerful. Your life, think about this, your life has been shaped by the words spoken to you. Your, your life has been shaped by the words spoken over you, and your life has been shaped by the words that's spoken about you. Think about the power of those words. Words shaped your childhood experiences. Words shaped are shaping your marriages. Words are, are shaping your most intimate relationships. Words shape your children and how they see themselves. Words shape your confidence or your self-confidence. Your words are so powerful, they will impact not only what you see in the mirror, but how you see it. Words are extraordinarily powerful. People with no confidence have gotten confidence just because of the words spoken to them. And people with tons of confidence have lost all confidence because of the words spoken over them. And what we're going to learn today is that not only are words powerful, the words spoken to us, over us, and about us, but also words aren't equally weighted. Words aren't equally weighted. How, think about this. The things that you remember of people spoke to you, we have a tendency to remember the negative so much more than we have the positive, right? I mean, you can have people just say, oh, I love this or I love that. I can have people say, Chris, I love that sermon. I love that sermon. I love this sermon. And you know, I have a tendency not to remember those, but I have the, I remember that one negative thing that that one person said, and it just chews on my soul. And, and that's what I have a tendency to focus on. And you're probably kind of like me in that area as well. The words aren't equally weighted. We rarely remember encouraging words, but we rarely forget words that criticize. Words aren't equally weighted. But listen to this. The source isn't equally weighted as well. You see, I'm a boss, so my words weigh 150 pounds. In fact, every once in a while, 
Luther, our executive pastor, and I'll, I'll be ready to march down the hall and say something to somebody. And Luther's like, listen, let me take care of this because my words only weigh 20 pounds. Your words weigh a whole lot more than that. Our source isn't equally weighted. If you're a mom, your words weigh 500 pounds. They just do. They weigh a lot. And if you're dead, all the fathers in here, I don't know why this is the case, but our words weigh the most. They do. The words spoken to us. The praise that we should have given, but we didn't. The love that we should have affirmed, but we didn't. There's just something about us dads. We have to be careful because our words weigh the most. The source isn't equally weighted. Words, they're not equally weighted. And get this, the recovery time is not equally weighted as well. The hurt when you hear somebody says something negative towards you, it hurts immediately. It just does. And honestly, people can say, well, I'm sorry. And that's what we say. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. Okay. And, and honestly, when we say those words, it's kind of weird because we expect them to be like, oh, okay, everything's fine. But it's not fine, is it? The recovery time, it takes time to recover from those words that wound. I said something stupid. Your feelings got hurt. You called me on it. I said, I'm sorry. And the person who says, hey, I'm sorry, they just expect everything to be like it was before they said whatever they were going to say. But it's not. It isn't. It's, it's kind of like this. If you and I were driving and you got into, the, my, into my vehicle and I accidentally slammed your fingers in the door, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, it, are you, is everything okay? Are your fingers okay? No, they're not. It may have been an accident, but just saying I'm sorry doesn't correct your mangled fingers. I'm going to have to take you to the ER. They're going to have to set your fingers. They're still broken. The same is true with our words. Our words hurt, and more words don't immediately make things better. They just don't because they're not equally weighted. So we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen slow to speak. Our words are the most powerful thing that we have. And some that for some of you guys, that's saying a lot, right? I mean, you, I mean, it's sun's out, guns out, right? I mean, and you got muscles everywhere, right? You're like Popeye. But honestly, the, your damage comes not really from your muscles. You, the most damage you could cause is the words that you speak to your five-year-old or when you yell or scream at your wife. Or when you belittle that soldier who's under you, under you. Your words are the most powerful things that you have. We can do more damage with our words than you can with any other part of your body. You can destroy, listen to this, you can destroy a person with your words and not even be in the same room with them. Because that's what words and gossiping does. Now, we looked last week, James, the brother of Jesus, had a lot to say about our words and our tongue in James chapter 1. And what's so cool about James, this is so, you may not have known this, but Jesus had brothers and sisters. Jesus' dad was God the Father, and then Mary had other sons and daughters, and their dad was Joseph. And imagine growing up in the home with Jesus Christ, right? 
I mean, he never did anything wrong. I mean, he never told a lie, right? I mean, just think about that. And this is so interesting. James, the brother of Jesus, did not believe that Jesus was anything special while Jesus was living. In fact, you probably wouldn't either. Think about this. What would it take for your older brother to prove to you that he was the son of God, right? And you're thinking, uh, he would have to be buried and raised again. And that's exactly what it took for James, the brother of Jesus. Because once Jesus was crucified and he rose again, he showed up to James. And that's when James like, okay, I get it. You are the son of God. So James, the brother of Jesus, has a lot to say about the tongue. And I'm so excited. Again, if you're not a religious person, you're not a church person, so glad that you're here because you are really going to like what today's sermon has to say. So let's start in James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And this verse right here has a lot to say to me, to our teaching pastor, Pastor Carlo, and anybody else who teaches in the church. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should be become what? Teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. Why? Because when you teach, your words carry incredible power. Your words weigh more as a teacher. I think that's so very important because I always have to remind myself, and I, I try to never forget this, that when I get up here, I just can't give you my opinions. You know, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got two and they usually stink, right? And nobody wants to hear my opinions. You don't want to hear my opinion about culture, about uh, politics, about any of this stuff. I want to make sure that what I say comes from the authority of what God says in his word. So this is very, very, we need to make sure if you're, I and mean, some of you, I know some of you guys, you teach in, in our children's ministry. I'm so glad that you do that. Know this, that you are in the process of forming and shaping those children's character and their faith. And by the way, if you're a parent, you have the exact, you're doing the exact same thing. You're doing the exact same thing. Now, Let's go to verse 2. Now, verse 2 is really great, great because some of you who maybe not grown up in church, you're like, the Bible, it's all bunk. Well, not all of it's bunk because verse 2 is totally true. This is what it says. We all make many what? We all make many mistakes. And if I was in a Baptist church, everybody would say, amen. So let's try this one more time. We all make many mistakes. All right, very good. Sounds good. So, I mean, all of us make mistakes. And, and what he says, and it's so interesting, is what follows is this. But those who control their tongues can also, look at this, control themselves in every other way. When a person is able to get control of their mouth, they will be able to get control of everything else in their life. And that is our big idea today. Here it is. Control your tongue, control your life. Let's say it together. Control your tongue, control your life. In other words, if you gain control of your mouth, of your mouth, <laughs> uh, gain control of your words, you will keep your entire body out of trouble. That's how powerful your words are. To which James would, somebody would tell, talk to James, hey, James, give us an illustration. All right, you, you threw this out here. Okay, control your tongue, control your life. If you control your mouth, you control everything else. Give me, illustrate that for me, James. And James would say, okay. Verse three, we can make a 
large horse turn around and go wherever we want to by means of a small bit in its mouth. How many of y'all, you've ridden a horse? Let me see your hands. All right, awesome. The last horse I rode, they had to put down. Um, I, they actually didn't. Uh, last horse I rode, I got on the horse and the horse like started turning around and biting me. I'm like, seriously, dude, I don't want to be on you any more than you want me to be on you, right? But isn't it amazing? You have this 1,000-pound animal, and you put a one-pound bit, a little small bit in its mouth, and if you can control the mouth, you can control the direction that the horse will go. And that's James's point here. If you can control your mouth, you can control the direction of your life. Because if you can control your tongue, you control your life. James gives us another illustration. Okay, you don't like that illustration? You don't like horses? Let's talk about boats. And a tiny rudder, a tiny rudder, makes this huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go when the winds are strong. Now, here's a picture of a tiny rudder. Look at this. This tiny rudder makes this huge ship. No matter the wind, no matter the waves, that little bitty rudder directs that entire large ship. Here's the point. Small part, big influence. Small part, big influence. This little itty-bitty tiny rudder or this little itty-bitty tiny bit will determine the direction and the course of the horse or the ship. And he says, just as in the same way, your mouth, your mouth, my mouth, will control what happens to you and where you go in life. Control your tongue, control your life. James now applies it to us. So also, verse 5, the tongue. Likewise, just like a rudder, just like a horse's bit, our tongue is the same way. Now, let's hit the pause button here. Let's talk about the tongue. The tongue, this part, everybody stick out your tongues at me. Let me see you. All right, notice this. Our tongue is one of the most nastiest things about our body, right? It just is. Like nobody's like, oh, you have a very attractive tongue. Nobody's ever said that to me. Just never have. Our tongue is, is kind of gross compared to the rest of our body. It's, most of them is about four inches long. By the way, this is totally useless. Thank you, Animal Planet. But a giraffe's tongue is over a foot long, and it can pick its nose with it. I agree it's gross. All right? So our tongue is about four inches long. And get this, our tongue is actually not just one muscle, but it comprises eight different muscles. And for some of you, you know, you're doing squats, you're doing curls, you can actually tire out your muscles. Do you know that the muscles in your tongue never get tired? Some of you uh, men are like, I know exactly what you're talking about, all right? And, and some of you ladies are like, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? Just, it just, that's how it is. So, so maybe you married him and he just talks all the time, and, you married, and it's like they, it never wears out. Isn't that crazy? I wish all of our muscles were like that, but our tongue is that way. So also the tongue, verse 5, is a small thing, but it can do enormous damage. It can do enormous damage. I think that's interesting. And what James, I really think, is really trying to prove this point is that if we control our tongue, 
We will control our life. Your tongue controls the direction, the destiny, the quality of your life. And some of you know this real well. Some of you, you've set good directions with the tone and with your tongue. Others of you, you've went down some really dark places because you've mouthed off and your tongue has gotten you into trouble. And he continues with the third illustration. He says this, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. Here's a video of a forest fire. I just want you to just look at this just for a little bit. You see the smoke and the flames and the destruction. How how did that get started? By a tiny spark. Just this past year, just a few short months ago, in Paradise, California, wildfires um, was the deadliest wildfire in history. It caused at least 85 civilian fatalities and burned an area of 153,336 acres. By the way, that's almost 240 square miles. It destroyed 18,800 homes and other structures. And the total damage for that fire was 15, excuse me, 16.5 billion dollars. And it all happened and it all came from this right here. Right there. This little small flame has the potential to cause enormous destruction. This right here. That's your tongue. And see, you may accidentally set a forest on fire, but you're still responsible for the destruction it caused. You may have accidentally set a marriage on fire, but you're still responsible for the damage your tongue caused. Look at this, verse 6. It can turn the entire course of your life, what? Into a blazing flame of destruction. Think about the potential evil you can do with this right here, with your mouth, with your words. Wars have been started with words. A divorce can be initiated by what you say. Children's self-esteem's destroyed by our mom or dad's scream or yell or maybe just silence. Jobs are ruined because of your words. Murder can be initiated through an argument. Think about this. Most murders happen because of domestic conflict, and most domestic conflicts start with what? Words. Exactly right. And when I think about the people in this world who could speak well, man, they changed the entire course of history through words. People like Dr. Martin Luther King. Man. You know, in 1955, when Rosa Parks refused to sit down and get to the back of the bus and give up her seat in the Montgomery bus system, Dr. Martin Luther King was pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, and he decided, just as Rosa Parks decided, enough is enough. And just eight short years later, He's standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and he says, I have a dream 
that one day I would live in a nation where my children are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. His words shaped a country and brought Jim Crow and racism in the 60s to its knees. You look at the words of John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy had a dream, and he talked about that in, over the next decade, we're going to put a man on the moon. And in 1969, during that summer, they actually put a man on the moon, and it all started with somebody's words. The words of Gandhi, the words of Teddy Roosevelt, my favorite president, Hey, the, the words that he was responsible for, remember that? Uh, speak softly, but what? Carry a big stick, exactly right. The, uh, th but think about the words, the evil that have been perpetrated by evil men, madmen in our world. Think about the, the history has been changed by the words of Adolf Hitler. When he wrote Mein Kampf, when he was in the jail cell, outlining the extermination of over 6 million Jews, and not just Jews, but 12 million total of Jews and gypsies and the handicapped and homosexuals. I mean, history came to its screeching halt through Adolf Hitler's charisma and his words. Think about Joseph Stalin. He changed history as well with the evil of his words. Or the fear-mongering of a Joseph McCarthy in the 60s. Or what about the history being changed through the racist words of an Alabama governor by the name of George Wallace? History has been changed by the godless writings of Nietzsche. Words have the power to build up and change for the good or to destroy. Words go, so goes your life. As your words go, so goes your relationships. As your words go, so goes your marriage. As your words go, so goes your job. As your words go, so goes your reputation, your character, your integrity. And it all comes from your mouth. You have the potential. I have the potential to burn down and to scorch the people I love with my mouth and with my words. The truth of this Honestly, a lot of us have done that. We've scorched the people who we love the most, that we care the most, by careless words. So when we say those bad things, what do we do? When we're confronted, how do we respond? Well, we defend ourselves, don't we? And how do we defend ourselves? With more words. Thinking that more words is going to make it all right. And it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Foom. Well, I was just being honest. It was just a joke. I, I was just being sarcastic. I was just mad. You made, you know, you made me mad. Oh, I was just drunk. But honestly, we blame it. We use excuses. But you have a problem. I have a problem. And what James is saying is it's untamable. 
this fire, this flame in our mouth, he says this, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And when he says hell, he's not talking about torment. He's talking about the source and the place where evil comes from. It's like James is saying, uh, what's your problem? Could it be Satan? Y'all remember the church lady? Anybody old in here like me? All right, SNL. Okay, most of y'all don't. All right. Anyway, my point, back on track, my mouth's getting me into trouble. See, it's so easy, right? The, so our problem, it's like the devil's, what James is saying is, dude, we all have some problems. You got some problems. We have some problems. We are all born with our pilot light lit. We are. Your pilot light is lit by hell itself. You didn't come in this world with a blank, blank slate. Now, some, I know we got some brand new babies in the church, right? And they're so cute, right? And when you look at that baby, you go, oh, he's so cute, Gucci, Gucci, right? But do you know, you never have to teach that child of yours not to share. You ever notice that? You never have to teach your child no, because they will say that to you, you know, uh, uh, go and clean your room. No. Right? And you never have to teach them that. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that when after God created the world, you and I screwed it up. Sin entered in the world, and sin affected everything, but especially our words and our mouths. We're not born neutral. You never have to teach disobedience because we're not born neutral. The, the pilot light is lit. Well, we all lean towards evil is what James is saying. And he says this, if that's not enough, some of you are like, can we change the subject now? Let's talk about money again or something, right? Oh my gosh. He doesn't. He keeps on going. Verse seven, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish. Do y'all know that we can pretty much tame everything? I mean, I've been to SeaWorld and I've seen people swim with killer whales. By the way, I am never going to get into a pool with a killer whale. You want to know why? It's a killer. Just throwing that out there. I mean, we can train killer whales. We can train lions and tigers and bears. There we go. We can train dogs. We can train cats. We can train mice. What James is saying is, you know what? We don't have to be worried about the animal kingdom right? We don't have to worry about the animal kingdom overthrowing us. Now, there, we know there's some time way in the future that we might get overthrown by apes. But until that time, right, we don't have to worry about any of the stuff of the animal kingdom. But he continues, verse 8, but no one, by the way, that is you and me, no one can tame the tongue. It is untamable. It can never fully be domesticated. It will never fully be under control. So, what he's saying is you better be quick to listen, slow to speak. It is uncontrollable evil, verse 8, full of deadly poison. It's volatile. It should come with a warning label. Think about this. Today, I could stand up here and I could say some really awful words and I could end my time as pastor here at Warren Church TV. And next week, we would still have church because this church is an amazing church. And the elders would come up here and y'all would, they would say, y'all remember Chris? <laughs> he ain't going to be with us today. Y'all heard what he said last week. He said some really awful stuff. Now, he said he's sorry, but he still ain't coming back. That potential is in me 
and it's in you. And then this next verse illustrates the unpredictability of our mouth. Verse 9, sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Like, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Right? I mean, we love Jesus. Sometimes it praises God. And look at this. And sometimes it breaks out into blankety, blank, blank curses against those who have been made in the image of God. Some of y'all are going to do this in about six to ten minutes. Right? You're going to leave here. You're going to grab your kids. Right? You're going to get in the car. You're going to try to get out on Tiny Town Road. Somebody's going to cut you off. Right? And you're going to go, and you're going to lose your Jesus. Some of you, you're going to leave here. You're going to go to El Bracero or to Cracker Barrel. All right? And you're going to go there, and your waiter or waitress is not going to do something. They're not going to get exact 100% right, whatever it is. And you're going to get crazy on them. And you're going to talk about them either to their face or behind their back. And James is saying, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Think about that. It's coming out of the same mouth. Praises and curses, verse 10. And so blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. And then he kind of leans in and he says this. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is, let's all say it, not right. This isn't right. James is saying this shouldn't even be possible. This is, this is just, it, it, it's, it's a contradiction. And he says this in verse 10. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and salt water? What's the answer to that? No. And everybody in his audience would say no. And he's saying the mouth is an oxymoron. In fact, your tongue is an oxymoron that if you're not careful can make you look like a moron. It just is. Verse 12, can, a, a, can you pick, pick olives from a fig tree? What's the answer? No. And can you pick figs from a grapevine? No. And can you draw fresh water from a salty pool? The answer, church, is no. And you know what James goes from here? He just drops the mic. He says, the end. Whoa, whoa, whoa. stop, James. We need some help here. You just said we've got to be careful, but you've not, you're not giving us a way that we can make this better. And that's James's point. James is saying, there is no once and for all solution for your mouth. There just isn't. There is no, once you learn this, once you've matured, once you've hit this age, you don't have to worry about it at all. No, you're going to have to worry about it for the rest of your life. So, as we close, what, what, what do we do with this message? What do we do? James doesn't really give us an application, but I'm like, I, God, I, can't, I can't end it here. Because it's like, hey... I've given you a loaded gun and say, y'all go have fun, right? Because that's you have a loaded weapon up here. So what should you do? The first thing is I want you to remember. I want you to remember that this is very powerful. This has the power to destroy everything in your life. Remember that words are powerful. But the second thing I want you to do is this. I want you to surrender your words in your mouth and your tongue. I want you to talk to God and say, God, I need help. You need help. Men, you need help. Women, you need help. Kids, you need help. Pastor, you need a lot of help. Don't let many of you be teachers. But not only remember, not only surrender, but he says, when you mess up, and by the way, he doesn't say if, 
He says, when. Why? Because it's going to happen. When you mess up, you need to what? Confess. And, and let me tell you how to confess. It's not, hey, I'm sorry you got offended by what I said because I was just being truthful. No, the problem is me and you. How you confess is, okay, I, I messed up. I am sorry. I said something wrong. I said something hurtful. I, I, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Don't say, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. Because who are you blaming it on? Them. That's not good at all. You say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And know that it's going to take some time to recover. Now, we've talked about the negative part of your tongue. And next week, we're going to talk about the positive part of your tongue. So next week's going to be a whole lot livelier. But I want to end with a little bit of positive uh, uh, right now because my challenge today for all of us through the month of June, I know this is the end of May, but through the month of June, we're going to encourage you to grab some Words Matter cards. And there's a picture on the screen, and they're actually right outside of Theater 16. For those who are 15, just right outside of 16. We want you to pick up five of these. They're bundled together. And what I want you to do is I want you to write an encouraging note to someone. It may be someone you know. Honestly, it may be somebody that you do not know, and that's okay. Maybe you see somebody do something good at Walmart, and you just want to write a, a note and just give it to them. Put it underneath their windshield wiper on the front of their car and say, I saw you. I saw you do this. Maybe it's a verse that you like. And you write that Bible verse and give them an encouraging words. As I was reading from the Bible this morning before I came here today, I was reading Proverbs and how uh, a, just, as, just as gold apples are in a silver basket, so our words help and frame other people for good. I love those verses. So today, I'm going to encourage you to grab those Words Matter cards and make a difference. Let your words make a difference and let them know that you are for them and that God is for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come here today, and Lord, we just acknowledge that all of us are really messed up. Our words many times are like venom. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would be people here at OneChurch.tv who uses our words to build up and not to tear down. And Lord, that this week we would remember that we have a loaded weapon, but we also have the, po the, the possibility to do good. Our words can do something amazing. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, go and be the church. Thanks for hanging out with us. Mm -hmm.